0: The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. We're
1: going to share with you today a major pro-life victory and then talk about revival, how you can be involved and in what's happening on college campuses.
2: It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, biblical scholar and cultural commentator, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Call 866-34-TRUTH to get on the line of fire. And now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Brown.
1: A few weeks back, I had a guest on the broadcast, Jim Harden, the director of the Compass Care Pregnancy Center in Buffalo, in early June, in the aftermath of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, their pregnancy center was firebombed. They had to shut it down. Jim came on the air with me, full of love and grace towards those that meant them harm, and, of course, opening his arms wide to women considering abortion. And the question is, well, what do you do now? How do you get back in operation in the same building or elsewhere? And Well that was that was back in june that this happened and we did some updates after that we've got some good news for you and i want to share that with you i'm not taking any calls today but a little over an hour from now 4 15 eastern time we'll do our weekly q a youtube chats you can ask all your questions on all subjects then but right now we want to focus on what's happening in the pro-life movement and then at the bottom of the hour <coughs> excuse me we're going to shift gears and talk about revival And our college campuses so Jim welcome back to the line of fire thanks so much for joining us
0: Oh, thanks for having me it's an honor to be back with you again doctor
1: so you made clear that you were not gonna stop what you were doing but you couldn't use the building for a period of time and would have to do things in a more secretive way what's happened since then
0: yeah well some great very exciting things have happened the church uh, across the country and in Buffalo really stepped up and we were able to rebuild the facility uh, in 52 days. I mean, that's Nehemiah-like. I mean, wow. material shortages, um, you know, supply chain issues, labor shortages, it didn't matter. But the people of God just stepped up and I'm standing right now, right now when I'm talking to you, in the in the room where the Molotov cocktail lit the, lit the entire facility on fire. Mm. It is incredibly encouraging to see the people of God at work. They would not have compass care homeless. In fact, not only did they rebuild the facility, we got three offers the very next day after the firebombing to relocate services, you know, in in, in Buffalo, three different locations. And we did the very next day. We're up and running in an alternate location, uh, obviously. uh, So so just amazing to see how how the people of God just love uh, to see lives saved women served, not just through the pregnancy, but beyond. And uh, In fact, we, we had one patient, if I can sh- share a quick story with you. No,
1: no, take your time, please. She,
0: she was, um, we served this particular patient about probably a year ago, and she just loved, she was at risk for abortion, she was really seriously considering abortion, and, and and she came to Compass Care, she received ethical medical care, comprehensive community support, we plugged her into a church, she got connected in the community there, she came to Christ, mm. and He became friends with one of the mother care teams, one of the mother care mentors in her church, and uh, who works at Compass Care. Really, she heard about about the firebombing on the news, and she said, "Why would anybody want to do this to Compass Care? Why would anybody want to do this to an organization that just helps? uh, They helped me, and so she was able to turn around and minister to the staff at Compass Care uh, with 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 the baby that Compass Care helped her have. Just an amazing testimony of how love of God reaches out to people. And, and essentially give them their lives, gives them the opportunity to connect with Christ. And they in turn encourage us. It is, it is a wonderful, oh, wonderful thing.
1: That, that is amazing. There's obviously the gratification of seeing a baby born in this world, but that, that adds to the story amazingly. Uh, Jim, a, a few details. What, what about insurance? What happened with insurance coverage and in your building?
0: I'm really happy to say the insurance company has been great to work with um, half a million dollars worth of damage. The insurance company, of course, is doing their due diligence to make sure that, you know, crossing all the T's and dotting all the yes. I's. But they are not balking at anything. They're just like, well, let's get you back up and running. Uh, Excellent. And that's what insurance companies are for. Right. So I'm, I'm grateful for that.
1: What about arrests from for the the folks that have been called domestic terrorists? What's happened with that?
0: Well, that's where it gets frustrating. Uh, that's um, My my level of disappointment and frustration is, is increasing daily. We're at day, oh gosh, I think we're at day 71 now and no arrests. Yeah, today's Wednesday, right? 71 days and no arrests since our firebombing. And by the way, you know this, but there have been 45 attacks on pro-life pregnancy centers in particular. Okay, there have been other attacks on other pro-life organizations and churches but 45 on pregnancy centers in particular all across the country since the leak of the Dobbs case overturning Roe back in May mm-hmm. and more no arrests, none, zero, big goose egg. And you know, you compare that and you think, well, gosh, um, we, we're sitting on a mountain of evidence. We've got video surveillance. We've got, you know, pictures of people in cars, et cetera. Uh, and, and we don't have, but you compare that to what happened in, in Kalamazoo, Michigan on July 31st with a, an abortion uh, clinic. Called Planned Parenthood. <clears throat> you know they, they were there was an attempted arson attack on them. Minimal damage. The there's this was on a Sunday, July thirty first, and there was a joint federal joint task force that got together on Sunday and were able to figure out from the char remains of a of a Duraflame log they found on the on the premises where it was purchased, who purchased it, and they arrested the guy in four days. Now he's facing 20 years in jail. Now, I'm, I'm thankful that they found somebody and arrested him because this kind of violence is unacceptable anywhere to anybody, right? But, but it seems to me that that, those same, that same level of resources are not being provided to Compass Care or all these other pregnancy centers. It took the FBI five weeks to look at our video surveillance. Five weeks. That's unacceptable. What, they are, it seems to me not, they, that they're intentionally slow-walking this. Because we are a politically disfavored organization. We don't perform a referral for abortions and, and we don't get along apparently with, with the ideology of the ruling elite. Therefore they're gonna they're gonna look the other way and slow walk it. That's what it feels like to me.
1: Yeah. Well, Jim, it is it is frustrating in the natural for sure. And and I, I wanted to bring these things to the attention of our listeners. And folks, pray for justice and pray for the repentance of the people involved. Obviously, the thing you'd love to see the most, Jim, is is these people repenting and saying yeah. what we did is wrong. Obviously, they broke the law; there are consequences for that, and and they endangered people. But the fact of the matter is, the the goal is to see them repent and and get right with God and really know the Lord themselves. That's the great goal. But justice has its place, and you know, throughout the Bible, there are a lot of the Psalms are written, and a lot of the cries go up to heaven because of injustice, and that's why <laughs> that's why we keep praying for God to bring about what's right. But Yes. In, in that sense, it's so important to remember that we're doing God's work and that God's for us because the spirit of the age is going to be against us. In that light, Jim, can you tell us nationally what's happening? You mentioned the ruling elite, so the, the government in power now, the left-leaning government in power being pro-abortion. What's the strategy to, to combat the overturning of Roe v. Wade?
0: Yeah, uh, there there seems to be a four prong strategy which which we've been monitoring for the last several weeks. Um, we've seen these things start to percolate, and so we we sent out a press release saying, "Hey, looks like there's a four prong strategy, everybody." And uh, a day later, the Biden administration said, "Oh no, it's a three prong strategy."
1: <laughs> Interesting.
0: Uh, it was it was the craziest phenomenon. Anyway, um, so I, I still believe there's four prongs, um, despite what the Biden administration wants us to believe. And number, I think number one. Um, look, the, the abortion industry is flagging, right? They're facing an existential threat to their existence because they're looking at losing 300,000 abortions a year. That's a big deal. I mean, if, if it's to, any to any to any type of business model, you lose 3, 300,000 of anything, you're probably going go to go out of business. But number one, I think they're, they're, the, 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 the pro-abortion politicians are protecting the, the, the for-profit abortion industry by deregulating what they're calling self-managed abortion. And that's chemical abortion. They're, they're, they, they, the abortion industry had to pivot uh, away from surgical abortion to chemical abortion if they're going to stay alive. They've got to be able to send these chemical abortions for cash in the mail to these women in their homes. And I call chemical abortion the chemical coat hanger because it's 400 percent more dangerous than surgical abortion. Mm-hmm. It's times more likely to end in the, land in the emergency room after starting the chemical abortion process. It was on the, the FDA REMS list, Risk Evaluation and Mitigation System. Only 70, 70 drugs have made it onto that list, and they don't take them off. But the Biden administration pressured the FDA to take it off the REMS list because uh, they, they, they want to be able to distribute these quickly uh, to to women all across the country. And so deregulating chemical abortion has become a massive priority for them right now. The second thing is deprioritizing enforcement of abortion restrictions at the state level. You know, Dobbs, when Dobbs came out on June 24th, they basically said, okay, Let's give this. Let's give the, the abortion issue back to the states, the people, to decide right. for themselves what they want to do about abortion. Well, now the, the, the federal government and the pro-abortion politicians across these states are trying to essentially rob the people of their ability uh, to, to regulate abortion as they see fit in their states by essentially deprioritizing. They're telling law enforcement to deprioritize the enforcement of these regulations uh, that are being in- enacted. Um, and so they're they're doing this deprioritization of law enforcement at the city level and the ordinance level. You see it in you've seen it in, in uh, Columbus, Ohio, and Austin, Texas, uh, New Orleans, Atlanta, Denton, other places like that. Uh, so that's a major prong in their initiative of their four prong init- initiative, right now, and uh, and it's and it's wrong. We, we're a, we're a rule of law government, and and, and self governance is, is key to, to to one of the to one of our tenants as as, as Americans. And they're, t- they're trying to take that back away from, from us relative to abortion. They're putting the, the entire governmental structure of America at, at risk for their, their pro-abortion you know, pet industry. Um, so the third, the third prong is similar. Um, they, they're trying to regulate the abortion industry's only competition out of business. That's pregnancy centers. Pregn- medical pregnancy resource centers are the only competition to the abortion industry. And the abortion industry will not have the ability to have abortion clinics in all states anymore. But the pregnancy centers do have a presence in all 50 states. And these pregnancy centers are, are going to be, with, with, a, with the 21st century telehealth tools that Compass Care is giving 650 pregnancy centers, we're going to be able to have the infrastructure to serve every single woman in America before she travels or before she goes online to get a dangerous chemical abortion drug sent to her. So, you know, time to nurse is critical. A woman makes the decision about the outcome of her pregnancy within 24 hours after the first positive home pregnancy test, and we can reach her and serve her within 24 minutes or 24 seconds. That's that's incredible. We, this is the most exciting moment in the history of the of, of the pro-life movement, and probably the most important cultural moment in 150 years in America. And this is a, a moment that God is handing his people. Look, the church has an opportunity to be the voice and the hands and feet of Christ in this in this dark world, and we, we, we can start talking about what it means to be human again under God, and why why everybody is equally valuable from the womb to the tomb without partiality, and that's what pregnancy centers are all about. We we help women uh, not just humanize the the child in her womb, but also help her have the baby and beyond. As we as I, as I just described that story that of that wonderful yeah. a woman who encouraged us who that we were able to serve a year ago.
1: Hey Jim, stay right there. If you could just stay with us through the break. I've got one more quick question for you. I want you to help our listeners with this. But friends, this is the gospel in action. This is what pro-life is all about. We'll be right back.
2: the line of fire with your host dr. Michael Brown get on the line of fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH here again is dr. Michael Brown
1: I'm speaking with Jim Harden the compass care pregnancy center in Buffalo and Jim it's it's wonderful to hear not just that there is great support and and that you're back in operation in the same building and that's extraordinary obviously people could run from this because they're intimidated or or scared off by the process of, of what happened or threats. But I'm assuming with your whole team that it's, it's been the opposite.
0: Yeah, it, it has been, uh, the, the fighting spirit of, 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 the people of God, um, serving women and saving lives is, is a really a humbling thing to see. Uh, we, we, we're, we we serve God first and foremost and we're called to fear him and him alone and it's better to suffer the bible says for doing what is right than to suffer for doing what is wrong and and if and if that's what this is if if we're going to be treated like second class citizens so that we can save more lives well then so be it i mean jesus did jesus did that for us he he sacrificed his life he, he, for for ours for ours and he's saying now go and do likewise be the good samaritan to your neighbor i I am. Um, I'm just uh, humbled and honored to be part of this wonderful team that we didn't lose a single staff member. We didn't lose a single patient hour of service. They just kept on moving forward. They just kept Incredible. walking through the fire,
1: walking Incredible. through the fire. Incredible. All right. So Jim, last question for you. I saw an article today where Seth Dillon, who's from Babylon B the Christian satire site was on the Joe Rogan show, which is the world's biggest podcast. And Joe Rogan, of course, is not a believer, but they were talking about censorship and things like that. And apparently in the midst of it, gotten to an exchange that got pretty passionate about uh, abortion in the case of rape. And Joe Rogan said, no one's going to make my 14 year old daughter was raped. No one's going to force her to, to, to have that baby. So they had an exchange about that. So obviously Seth Dillon's position is two wrongs don't make a right and, and murdering the baby doesn't help solve things. But of course, someone looking at this, a, a parent looking at this, thinking of the horror of it, thinking, you're going you're to make my daughter carry the, the reproach of this. All the kids are going to know about it in school. you know, It's going to affect the rest of her life. And, and even if the baby's given up for adoption, she'll never be the same. And she's got to think about what that rapist did every day for all these months. We can get rid of this and move on. So th- the argument can sound very compassionate, very caring. If we simply say two wrongs don't make a right, obviously it's true. You don't punish the baby for what the rapist did, but then what about the, what about the woman who's been raped? So it's, it's an emotionally charged argument for obvious reasons. So Jim, have, have you actually dialogued with enough women about this to say, okay, the women that have chosen to have their babies expressed that it had this impact on lives, or women who chose to abort babies that were conceived in rape, they said this, can you give us not just an argument, but, data based on experience?
0: Well, I, I, the data based on experience, we've served thousands of women uh, over the years. It's, uh, I, I think we probably, I mean thousands. Uh, and not only that, but we've helped other other organizations uh, serve thousands. So our experience uh, spans tens of thousands of patients over 20 years. <clears throat> um, the, the the likelihood that you actually serve a patient who is pregnant because of rape is very very low so i i quite frankly can only remember um you know one or two um situations where we actually had to report uh to law enforcement um a situation mm-hmm. so the um the outcome of of, of of the pregnancy you know is you know and, and i think those particular two cases weren't actually pregnant i don't think they actually conceived um so i i would say look it, it's you want to be careful to to, um, to not make an argument or make a case based on emotion uh, or, or an anomaly. Right? So you, ruling by exception, for example, making right. a law by of an exception is, is is essentially making a law by emotion. We have to look at this from a theological perspective, from God's perspective. What is a human? What, is, what does it mean to be human? And is that a, an act of God or an act of a man? Right? And, and what, what we believe is that that human beings exist. You and I exist at, at the behest of a sovereign act of God. So, what does that mean? Okay, so the circumstances of, of conception are terrible, right? Absolutely a violation. We are the reason why we're so upset about about rape and incest is because human beings are made in the image of God and should not be violated. We are inviolable because we because of the inherent dignity we carry. We're supposed to respect and dignify each other, protect each other, and rape is, is is the opposite of that. That's why it's so reprehensible, and that's exactly the reason why we're pro-life as well. And so, we while it's difficult, what's difficult to think about the emotional uh, trauma that a rape causes, we have to think about um the the the, the, the extreme value of of the crown of creation. God can take the most terrible circumstances and turn it on its head and make it a fountain of all blessing. If that isn't the, the 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 message of the cross, then I don't know what is. We've got to believe, brothers and sisters, that God can take the worst and make it the best. I don't know how he does it, but he does it every day and it's a miracle and it's a mir- and that's just it. It's just a miracle. I can't explain it any other way. And I'm not I, I, I still feel for we, we still say, no, this is awful, it's a tragedy, and these people need to be held accountable, these rapists and these incest they need to be held accountable. But we need to look at life from God's perspective yeah. and, and look at crime, but we be prosecuting criminals also from the perspective of justice with respect to the fact that we are made in His image and you can't violate people. So we got to go, we, we got to take it from both, both, both perspectives.
1: Yeah, Jim, I, I, appreciate that. And it does drive us back to those realities. You know what I've done strategically when, when people raise that, I said well, let's just put that aside. Let's deal with the ninety-nine percent of, of other abortions. You agree those are wrong, correct? There was I'm not even gonna argue that now. Let's look at the let's look at what we're really dealing with seven days a week. The other thing is I've even heard from people who've called in and others who've been involved in in, in working with women who had abortions. What's remarkable is people saying and calling in the show saying that their baby was conceived and raped, but having the baby was the best thing that ever happened to them. Uh, And then, you know, the the mother trying to pressure the daughter to have an abortion and the daughter deciding not to. And now the the mother has become a grandmother and is so thrilled with that. And then also talking to others that had chosen to have an abortion that were were raped, uh, saying that that didn't fix things. It didn't take the pain away. So obviously compassion has to drive everything we do. But there's so much more to this, Jim. I'm thrilled to hear the good report. Uh, your your love for the Lord and your courage are a great testimony to many let us seize this great cultural moment and save many lives thank you so much for all that you do my brother
0: thank you very much I really appreciate you having me on it's been an honor
1: you bet God bless you all right what what a joy to talk to Jim Harden and to hear that update and hear that report hey friends just a reminder you can still pre-order. Well, it's not pre-order because we got the books in you can still order your signed numbered copy, first edition, first printing of the political seduction of the church. I, I, I just wrote an article. Let me see if it's live yet on the Ask Dr. Brown site. I, I only finished it early afternoon, so it's, uh, yeah, it's it's not up yet. It'll probably be up later today or tomorrow on org or wherever else you regularly read my articles. Uh... <clears throat> It's, is the church ready for Trump 2024? The article is not primarily about Donald Trump. It's primarily about the church. The article is not an attack on Donald Trump. The article is not there to praise Donald Trump. The article is not to say if he runs, you should vote for him or you shouldn't vote for him. The article asks the question, how did the church do in 2020? from 2016 to 2020. How did we do the first time around with Donald Trump? Did we maintain our godly witness before the world? Did we maintain a spirit of unity around Jesus despite our differences about Trump? Did we stay free of political uh, obsession and over-exalting human leaders? And well, based on 17 criteria that i laid out in two previous books, seven criteria, in Donald Trump is not my savior, which came out in 2018 as a Trump voter, I wrote that. And evangelicals at the crossroads where we passed the Trump test that came out in 2020, where I gave 10 more criteria to say, okay, this is what we have to get right. Moving forward, this is what we have to get right. So 17, when I scored us in my new book, The Political Seduction of the Church, that's what I do in the last chapter of the book, Political Seduction of the Church. I review those 17 criteria to say, this is what we need to get right in, in the presidency of Donald Trump. And if he wins reelection moving forward. So out of the 17, I, I score us failing on 15 out of the 17 criteria, 15 out of 17. If Donald Trump runs again, it's unrealistic for us to think he's going to change. His good qualities will be his good qualities. His bad qualities will be his bad qualities. That's the man we voted for. Those who voted for him. That's the man we voted for. That he negatively affected many of us, that's on us. He's just who he always was, right? You can't vote for him expecting him to change. Now, he did a tremendous amount of good that I'm profoundly grateful for. But the fact he didn't become a more decent human being, that's who the man is. And... That's what we voted for. So the question is, is the church ready for another Trump run? Or will we compromise our witness again and divide over Trump rather than uniting around Jesus? Read my book, The Political Seduction of the Church. It'll help you to understand how we messed up and how to get things right for the future and the beautiful transcendent calling of the church and what our role is in this world. Involved in politics, involved in culture wars, but in a way that is transcendent. So go to askdrbrown.org. You can order your copy. Order multiple. Some do that to give out to friends, colleagues. Get a copy for your pastor as well. Askdrbrown.org. We'll be right back with Matt Bennett talking about revival and how you can be involved. It's all You can
2: the line of fire with your host Dr. Michael Brown get on the line of fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH here again is Dr. Michael Brown
1: thanks for joining us friends on the line of fire about 45 minutes from now a little bit less we'll be back on YouTube by the way if you're watching on YouTube now just click on the thumbs up button it helps to get more people looking at the broadcast but we'll be back about 42 minutes from now on our YouTube channel, ASKDR Brown. Ask Dr. Brown during our exclusive weekly online Q&A chat. I've been really looking forward to this interview today with Matt Bennett, founder and CEO of Christian Union, Christian leadership development organization with the mission to bring sweeping spiritual and cultural transformation to our nation and the world by developing and networking Christian leaders to make an impact for Christ. Christian Union focuses its activity on America's most influential universities and on professionals in the nation's cities. Uh, I've done some Zoom meetings and some face-to-face meetings with students that they have, leaders they have on Ivy League campuses, different campuses in the, the Northeast, and it's just been a joy to be with them. And Matt has a great heart for revival, real awakening in the church, spreading to the society. And we're gonna we're going to talk about what's happening on the campuses, but then talk about some key events that you can be involved in, but we're gonna lay this out for you. So, Matt, uh, so glad to have you on the broadcast. Thanks for joining us.
3: Hey, thanks, so great to be on. Thanks for having me.
1: So, so Matt, how how did you get a burden? You're obviously an educated man, college campus and seminary, but how did you get your particular burden for the campuses? It had a lot to do with
3: growing up in Houston, Texas, where there was a lot of um, Christian offerings, and then going to college in the Northeast and noticing there was a lot less. And then noticing that, especially at these influential universities and uh, highly academic uh, universities, there are so many students who learn so much, yet they don't know the basics about the most important message ever given to humankind. And even from a secular perspective, the most important social movement in the history of the earth, and, and so many know little about Jesus Christ, who he is, why he came, how to know him. It's, the contrast is extraordinary, and that, that we just can't allow, allow that to happen.
1: I, I remember doing an outreach lecture at Yale University over 30 years ago at the invitation of an on-campus Christian group. And even though I'd been in secular schools all my education from, from after high school. So from 70, uh, 77 on to to uh, excuse me, 73 on to 80, uh, 85 when I got my PhD, I I was still shocked at the atmosphere at Yale. And I remember just how open the immoral stance was, how open gay activism was. This is, this is 30 years ago. Can you paint a picture of some of the mindset that's on our, our well-known campuses in America today?
3: Well, we minister at uh, Yale, Harvard, Princeton, Cornell, Dartmouth, Stanford, nine universities total, and it is how you would expect. You've got a lot of sharp and smart students, as well as professors and others there, but there's a- an overwhelming amount of distraction, both academically, uh, undermining the authority of the scriptures, putting forth um, ideologies, these broken sexual ideologies, as well as even um, pressure in regards to social justice matters and intimidation in a lot of ways. And then you have the whole social scene, which can envelop and swallow people up and pressure. So it's difficult. It's, a, it's an overwhelming environment. And even these very smart students, they sit down and you have these professors they respect. And some of the professors, non-Christians, are great. They pre- present things even-handedly, but others, they barrage them with a lot of uh, partialities and half-truths that you just don't have the time to go through and 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 see what the truth is. It just takes so much time to undo um, some of the falsehoods that are put forward. So it can be very difficult, and we want the students coming in as Christians to leave stronger than they are, not to lose the faith. And, of course, we want as many as possible to hear the gospel and know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
1: And and, and what's, what's happening on the campuses? I, I've been really blessed— to see the quality of commitment of those have dealt with the obviously sharp people, but with a a good heart, good theological understanding and a spiritual passion. So what's some of the good fruit that you're seeing?
3: Well, we see by God's grace and by his power, um, he changes lives and does wonderful things and brings students to faith and have them make radical changes in their lives. It's wonderful, incredible to see. But these universities are like the rest of America in the last 50 years in that in every quarter of American society, there's been a slow and steady downgrade and an increasing rise of the nuns, as they say, those with no affiliation. So we praise and thank the Lord for the great breakthroughs, but we are trusting, yearning for, praying for a rapid acceleration.
1: All right. So that gets us to the subject of revival. Uh, how did that become something that you're so passionate about? Was it reading about the history of places like Yale that were so marked by a revival or just a general recognition something has to change and more of the same is not going to do it?
3: Well, it originated for me back when I was in junior high. I would read these. I grew up in the late 70s, the early 80s, graduated from high school in 84, and I would get these tracts from this ministry called Last Days Ministries, and it oh, yeah. wasn't focused on end times. You know them. Yeah, and Keith Green, have sure. these, Yeah, that's right. They'd have these great clips from these sermons about these really devout, fired-up Christian ministers from the past, and uh, I got a picture for what the Lord has done in the past. And as you know, America, we might have the best revival history in the world, yeah. we don't know it today. People don't talk about it. I know people from other countries that know our revival history better than us, and quote our past leaders, and um, and so that was in my bones. I went into uh, ministry when I after I got my MBA, I joined with Crew, which was a wonderful experience for ten years at Princeton. And by the seventh year of ministering, we saw a revival um, happen there by God's grace, and it's always the same factors, and that is. When we seek the Lord with great energy and diligence, and meet the conditions of Second Chronicles seven fourteen, the Lord responds. And I did a forty day fast, and then the Lord spoke to me in a dream, which was very unusual for me in those days. Uh, five months later, he had me do. He told me if I did another forty day fast, he'd bring revival to Princeton. He did, and for the next five years, we saw lots of conversions. The ministry involvement exploded miracles, all these great life changes. It was really incredible. And then I left and went to seminary, and things died down after that. And then I came back from seminary and started at Princeton, and we expanded with a new ministry called Christian Union. Um, and then we saw another great surge. But again, it began when a lot of the key leaders really pressed in hard to the Lord.
1: All right, so so you recognize, obviously, God is sovereign in terms of he He does what he does on his time schedule and for his purposes and it transcends our understanding and we understand as well uh, in our limited understanding that we can't make this happen and yet we also know that God lays out principles and guidelines and says if you do this I will respond in this way you can't you know push a button and say okay it's gonna be exactly like this like this but we do know if we humble ourselves and seek him that he will be found and he will reveal himself and he will pour out His spirit but there's we can't just go about this casually and sit back and just think it's going to happen. So you actually have a, a plan in place with very intensive meetings over a period of a few days, bringing believers together. I, I get to participate uh, on this via via Zoom and be part of it. But first, s- scope out the general picture here, and then I want to let our listeners and viewers know how they can be involved themselves.
3: Yeah, so we have two ministries with Christian Union, our ministry to college students, and we're at nine universities, and we also have the second ministry called Christian Union America, which is to adults across the country. So what we're talking about is the ministry to adults across the country, and uh, we pioneered this last October It's the simulcast day-and-a-half retreat in people's living rooms. And by focusing Friday night, all day Saturday, on seeking the Lord, on prayer, on messages, on worship, on reading the Bible, and discussions on it, combination, the focused time really does incredible things in people's lives, because um, if we're not seeing the Holy Spirit come and change us and open doors and bring people to faith and do things, then uh, something needs to change. The Lord is waiting for us to... be bothered by that, and to seek Him in a, in a stronger way. It's uh, We've got to seek Him not as what's comfortable, we've got to seek Him as He requires. And you see this pattern in the Scriptures. So there are times when great efforts were needed to return to the Lord. Jehoshaphat calling a fast, returning to the Lord, all these great saints, Nehemiah, all these folks. And so it's a mindset that we have to have. Um, so what this is, is it's a day and a half of focused time uh, with people, friends, uh, friends in your living room, um, to seek the Lord, and uh, the next one is October fourteenth, fifteenth.
1: All right. So, so tell us what the schedule looks like, and then then we'll get some links posted, guys. Let's make sure we we post the links in on YouTube and Facebook uh, for today's show. But give us an overview of what happens over this intensive day and a half.
3: Yeah, it's a uh, link is CU. The letter CU. then fire.org. And uh, the the day and a half is the three hours on Friday night as a focus on relationship building, a message, um, prayer, and orientation in that time. And then the next day, it's all day, um, about 12 hours, like 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. or something like that. And uh, we encourage people to fast and to have a meal together. But of course, people will make their own decisions about that. But that brings that helps humble ourselves to draw close to the Lord. That's the purpose of fasting. But in that time, uh, the day goes very fast because there's a segment uh, where you pray together, there's a segment where you hear a couple of messages that are piped in over Zoom to all the groups across the country, a uh, section of uh, discussion about what you read in the Bible, um, a section on more prayer, You go and, and also a rela- uh, section on relationship building. So that is all these elements together. And... Because it's so rare for Western Christians to have that amount of time focused on the Lord, it's really dramatic and powerful what happens. The testimonies are really incredible. We don't put all of them on the website, because some of them, honestly, are sort of over the top, because I don't think people believe it.
1: Mm-hmm. But
3: uh, some one woman said... Uh, well, to tell you what, hang, uh, hang, on, hang on one yeah.
1: second. We'll come sure. right back on the other side of the break and... Let's hear some of these testimonies. And again, friends, this is something you do in your home with friends as part of your church, a group of different people together to really go after God in a concerted way. He honors that. He really does honor that. We'll be right back.
2: the line of fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the line of fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown.
1: Thanks, friends, for joining us, 866-34-TRUTH. If you are missing any of my weekly updates on our latest articles, latest videos, latest one just went out a few minutes ago, more info on our Israel trip, info on our latest books, resources, take a moment now, go to ask. Dr. Brown, A-S-K-D-R-Brown.org, sign up for our emails, and we will put you in our welcome tour that you'll enjoy. You'll find eye-opening. By the way, you'll learn about why we have the three R's of our ministry in the order that we do, revival in the church, gospel-based moral and cultural revolution in society, redemption in Israel, how we see this all working out. All right back with mac bennett ceo of ceo and founder of christian union um then the website c u as in christian union CUFire dot org dot org we, we've got it posted in our links online now so matt you wanted to share some testimonies starting with one woman who participated in this intensive day and a half uh in the past and what happened to her
3: well, one of the things she said was, and again, some of these are so strong, we don't put them all on the website, because I think people would be skeptical, but she said uh, she'll be thanking God for this experience for the next 1,000 years. <laughs> uh, another woman said that she's glad she has eternity in heaven to be grateful to God for Him impacting her life. I'd say so much of the time people use the word transformative, and as you know from your time in ministry work, um, it's uh, when God stirs people's hearts, they give them a, He gives them a filling of the Spirit. It's so powerful and wonderful. We are made for this. It's just that so many don't get that opportunity. Uh, in addition to the experience there, we line up many, many people to pray and fast a week ahead of time for all those who are attending. And I think that's why so much we see
1: so much life change in the people who come. Yeah, so friends, again, cufire.org, and then you can say, hey, I'd I'd like to host a fire retreat in my community, like to host it virtually, I'd like to attend it, so all those options are, are there for you. Matt, you see the problems in America, you see the problems up close on our campuses, you see how bad things are, do you have hope? Do you have a sense that that God could really touch his church and, and change the nation still?
3: Yeah, I do. It always begins with Christians returning to the Lord with their whole heart. And I do have hope, although what's needed among us as a Christian community is to seek the Lord. I think we so often look and point out the bad problems out in society, and they're all real, they're all true. But uh, if we want the power of God to change our communities and our own lives, we've got to focus ourselves on Him and seek Him with great energy and effort. He's a promise keeper. He says He'll come. We draw close to Him. He'll draw close to us. And if He's not drawing close to us, He's not breaking His promise. It's because we're not drawing close to Him in the way that He expects. And uh, as we see and as we participate, as we draw close to Him, He'll
1: do what he always does, what he loves to do. Yeah. And and that, you know, the thing is he desires to bless more than we desire to be blessed. He desires to meet with us more than we desire to meet with him. And we often think, well, if he just visited, then I'd be ready. But the fact is if we haven't made room, if we haven't sought him earnestly, we can often reject God when he comes. It's too intense or it's too demanding or it's uh, the repentance is too deep or it's Mm -hmm. too time consuming. But if we're hungry and thirsty, when he comes, we we welcome him warmly and and our lives are deeply and and forever changed. And Matt, this is not something where you're either charismatic or non-charismatic. This is just believers coming together to seek God and taking his Mm -hmm. word and meet with him, correct?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's right. And as you were speaking, I was thinking of us talking recently and you sharing how you've been taking a day or a weekend. Uh, sometimes once a month, to seek the Lord. And I do the same thing. Uh, but I think for many to do that on one's own is difficult. But to do it with a group of, of good friends and people's living room with a structured plan is fantastic. Yeah. And we can see the Lord do wonderful things.
1: Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's been now on average, I seek to get away once a month. Just, in fact, I, mm-hmm. I put a bunch of dates on my calendar through next year to make sure nothing gets unscheduled. You know, I schedule everything around it. Yeah, a, a weekend, so Friday night, all day, Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday, Sunday night, just to seek God earnestly. And, mm-hmm. you know, talking to my wife Nancy about it, her position is, well, if you don't do that, you got no chance of seeing what God wants to do and how he mm-hmm. wants to change your life. You know, you, you've got to make this a priority. But again, we don't all have that luxury or that ability to do that. And then many times, we don't know what to do with the time. So to have yeah. this, this structure... Makes It makes it, it, it easier than doing it jointly, doesn't power yeah. things. And, and Matt, I remember is it, I, it 1992 or 1993, a Messianic Jewish leader got a burden to get 10 of us together for three days of prayer and fasting. And mm. we all thought, we'll do it, but there's no possible way that we're gonna be able to coordinate our schedules among 10 of us. And he proposed dates and the first dates he said, we said, we can do it, it worked oh, for everyone. God. Yeah, so we, we knew it was the Lord, and we did. We we fellowshiped some. We shared some testimony one with another. But basically, we spent a lot of time in prayer. We we prayed for one another, and and we fasted for three days. And things came out of that time that were dramatic. Mm. That mm. something really happened as a result of that. So, friends, be encouraged by this. Visit cufire.org. dot org. Give us the dates again for the next a prayer revival retreat
3: uh it's uh october 14th and 15th and we we'll, we're doing them every quarter so got one in january then in april and uh we've got a lot of people who've been coming back we just started them in uh, last october but uh we want to see a growing number of people if we have an increasing number of people seeking the lord uh, with with this kind of dedicated energy we will see god move
1: yeah and and matt think of this the vision that when i picture this in my mind now you you know you've you've got a little flame here a little flame here a little flame here but you know it's it's just like a barbecue right and Mm -hmm. a couple of coals get burning over here a couple the next thing the whole thing is burning there there is that that spreading of holy fire so so may it be and in particular may it be in our college campuses and and then along with this with leaders and teams Obviously, there's strategies to, to try to impact campuses, to, to pray in godly professors and administrators and others, and to actually shift things, but it starts with revival in our own lives. Hey, thanks for what you're doing, and may the Lord visit mightily in the days ahead.
3: All right, thank you. So great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah,
1: my joy. I can't wait to connect again with you and, and, and your workers. God bless. God bless. Bye. All right, what, what a joy to speak with Matt Bennett. I, I, have, I have really enjoyed having these two guests on today, Jim Harden and Matt Bennett, as I said to both at the end, what, what a joy to speak with them, and both full of encouragement. Yeah, we are up against many difficulties in the church, in the world in which we live, and some of us in our own lives, major stronghold struggles, crises, but God, but God, he has his ways, of turning things around. He has his ways of taking tragedies and turning them into triumphs. He has his ways of turning obstacles into opportunities, stumbling blocks into stepping stones. And often the things that were meant to kill us, to hurt us, the hardships, the difficulties, the challenges are the very things that God uses to lift us. Nancy was reading to me last night some quotes from this friend of ours that had died of cancer recently, just got word yesterday, and uh, with her passing. And she had battled cancer for many, many years. It It was a lifelong condition that she had, and she had battled. And she believed that God heals today. She did not believe that he sent sickness as a chastisement for her or a judgment. In other words, she sees God as the healer not the sender of sickness to his own children. And yet she fully recognized how God uses everything, including sickness, including pain. And she talked about making pottery and things like that and and saying, you know, you use sharp instruments to do it. And the things that just look flawless, they're, they're missing something. So what you're going through now, and I just, feel prompted to share this with some of you. And obviously with so many listeners and viewers, this is relevant for some, even without the prompting of the spirit, but all the more with it, take hold of this if you can by faith right now, that the very thing that seems to be the greatest obstacle, the greatest difficulty, the greatest challenge, the the thing that is causing you the most pain, struggle, opposition, going through this, and what God does in you and through you, could very well be in retrospect, the best thing that ever happened to you because God is a redeemer. And the worst crime committed by humanity, the crucifixion of the son of God is his means of redeeming the human race. All right, friends, be encouraged. Visit our website for tons more encouragement. Ask Dr. Brown, ask drbrown.org. Another reminder to center for our emails if you haven't signed up for the Israel trip yet, the info is there. If you haven't pre-ordered or ordered now the advanced copies of Political Seduction of the Church, all the info is there. And in 15 minutes, we'll be back on YouTube, Ask Dear Brown, the Ask Dr. Brown channel on YouTube for our weekly exclusive Q&A chat. So join us. Can't wait to answer your questions.